Welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Sammy Roberts, and I'm joined by Phil Savage. Uh, it's just a two man podcast today. Um, yeah. We took a week off last week uh, with an unscheduled week off um, because we had that problem again where none of the staff were in the country, or at least not enough to do a podcast, and it was just crazy busy. So, apologies for uh, being away again. We'll try and get back to our weekly schedule uh, from now on, which should be fine, actually. Should be fine, other than the fact that I'm not in next week and you're not in the week after. But... No, that's true. But I, uh, me and Andy can do one next week. Um, and Hopefully uh, there'll be enough team members around. Yeah, I'm not letting anyone leave the country for a while now. <laughs> um, I'm embargoing my staff. Um, yeah, so like if they try and leave at like the borders of, I don't know, um, Dover, then they'll be stopped and sent back. The customs have all our pictures. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this can be a slightly shorter episode, probably, mainly because it's two people, and mm. like we're absolutely exhausted from this deadline. Like, in all honesty, like so tired. Um, I've done three 10 p.m. nights this week, so I'm uh, I'm ready for a, a big sleep and a beer. Um, and so yeah, we're just going to rattle through some of the games we've been playing lately. Got some cool upcoming stuff actually. Um, yeah, what, you've been to New Orleans, Sam. I did go to New Orleans. It's very good. Um, I played Mafia Three there, which is going to be the first mm. game we'll talk about, and we might as well just get straight into it. Yeah. Um, so, Mafia, Phil, are you a fan of the series? Uh, yeah, I, actually, I didn't play Mafia Two really. Um, I really enjoyed Mafia One uh, up until the bit where you've got to do that racetrack level. <laughs> well, I think that they uh, that's legendary for its difficulty. Yeah, and they, they yeah. did patch that eventually. It, uh, <sighs> This was pre-patch, and it took me hours, and I finally did it. But then my stepdad, who was also playing, was like, oh, can you do it for me as well? Now you can do it. And by the time I'd done it for him, I was so sick of it that I never went back to the game. Well, that's Um, fair enough. Um, So, yeah, apropos of nothing, there's my Mafia story. (laughs) Did you play a second one? Uh, A little bit, yeah, but... um, do you, uh, yeah. do you think you'll ever finish it, the second one? Maybe. <laughs> second one has like one of the all-time best connections between sequels. You really? Probably, you might be aware of it, actually. Probably. But like, um, do you remember the... Oh, no, you never finished Mafia, did you? So it'll mean nothing to you. I'm no good at this. <laughs> well, people, people who know the Mafia series listening to this will know what I mean, but there's a, a quite amazing bit of connective tissue between those two games, like, mm. which were released, I think, like nine or eight years apart. And yeah, there's uh, there's one mission in the game that ties into the first game in such a beautiful way. Okay. I, uh, I, uh, I loved it. That um, sounds interesting. So, uh, what's the connective tissue like between two and three, which is many many years later, and also by different developers? Yes. Uh, so they've they've created an all new development team called Hangar Thirteen to make this, which is led by Hayden Blackman, who worked on the Force Unleashed at Star Wars LucasArts people. Mm-hmm. Um, that was well said. And uh, he's also a, a pretty... I think it's the same guy, but he's a noted comic book writer as well. Um, and so, yeah, he, he founded this studio, and a bunch of 2K Czech went over to California where they're making it to work on it, I okay. believe. Um, so, yeah, new team. But the, in terms of connective tissue, like um, Vito Scaletta, the protagonist from Mafia 2, is in uh, Mafia 3 as one of your underbosses, which is mm. a major system in the game. Um, basically, it's it's structured so you're wrestling control of the city from Sal Marcano, who's like the uh, the big crime boss, based on some real life dude I learned about and have forgotten the name of. But you can look that up; I'm sure it's somewhere on the internet. Um, and basically, yeah, um, we don't have to do everything for you. <laughs> so you play this guy called Lincoln Clay. You come back from the war, uh, Vietnam War, and um, you are basically going back to a life of, uh, I'd say, like a mid to heavy gangstering. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, you uh, basically end up crossing Marcano for reasons I won't go into, and right. he exacts a fairly bloody revenge, which they have spoiled before. But they have, yeah. I didn't. Um, I actually ha- didn't read much about uh, or listen or watch much about uh, Mafia before going to see it to try and keep it fresh. And I'm glad I did. So 
if you haven't like exhausted all the trailers already, mm. maybe avoid some of that stuff. Um, but yeah, and uh, basically you decide then uh, to take the city from Marcano and build your own crime family on top of its remains. Mm-hmm. And that basically comes down to you uh, taking these rackets from around the, around the city. Um, let's say prostitution is, is the, the first one you do, I think. It's in the prologue. And you um, basically ha- there's a money ticker top left and you have to take as much of the income out of that racket um, as you can. And then once it reaches zero... Uh, you can take over the racket yourself. It draws out a mob boss, a little bit like Shadow of Mordor, I guess. Mm. Um, so, and then you go confront this mob boss in a location, usually surrounded by loads of guys. And then you can, um, I think you can choose to kill him or have him work for you. And if he works for you, then you make a, continu- a continuous amount of smaller money. Right. Or if you kill him instantly, you get a big ch- one-off chunk of money, I think. All I right. think that's how it works. But then basically you... If you when you when you've um, done that, you can assign the racket to one of your uh, mob lieutenants. Um, so Vito is one of them, um, and he sort of comes into the story because he's got an association with Marcano, and he's like exiled in this one right. uh, after the ending of Mafia Two. Uh, and um, you've also got Cassandra, who's like a Haitian uh, lieutenant, and also this Irish guy called Burke, who's the most overtly Irish man ever. Like uh, bad accent work. Uh, a little bit. Also, right. the um, I think in his garage, it's got like a picture of Ireland in the background. You know, just uh, which I actually do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my, it's, I mean, uh, my house is plastered with pictures of Warwick, so. <laughs> the motherland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I when I went to New Orleans, I put up a picture of Big Ben just to remind <laughs> me of what I was missing back home. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> It's the voice acting is generally very good though, and like um, no. like Mafia's always had some pretty nice looking cutscenes, and uh, yeah, in this one you can even see I think they got like three D rendered tongues. You can even see them moving in their wow. mouths. It's quite impressive That's stuff. The future. Yeah, in the cutscenes you can see like um, sometimes someone will just communicate something with a facial expression, and you can tell what that expression is. There's a bit of uncanny valley going on with some characters, but generally very impressive. But anyway, so yeah, this uh, this this kind of underboss system. You assign them these rackets, and then. Um, you have to kind of balance the loyalties of each one. So if you assign too many to one person, mm. the other two will get annoyed about it. And that can kick off like a, a reckoning. At E3, <laughs> I think they, sh- they they showed this off where you didn't give Burke enough, so basically you had to go to his garage and kill him, I think. Okay. And so... So yeah. if one of them is particularly annoying, you do have ways around it. You can. You do, but you want to keep them alive for several reasons, because they grant you um, different abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are very cool. So, for example... Um, when you use the kind of weapon reel, if you the demo went from the prologue, then cut forward uh, like twenty hours to deep into the game, where you have a lot of abilities and stuff. So mm. early on, Cassandra gives you like a weapons van, so you can top up your ammo and buy new guns uh, or whatever or armor, at the, at the, you know, straight away. Um, and then later on, you get the ability to call off uh, the police. Okay. Um, you get uh, you can have cars delivered to you, and um, one of Vito's abilities is uh, he'll send. Uh, or his mate will send a bunch of gangsters to help you out in a firefight, which is quite cool because I did I did this one uh, racket based mission where you basically just have to go kill this guy in this sort of like courtyard thing. Mm. I just drove my car in really fast, tried to run them over, then just barreled out and started throwing Molotov cocktails. And pretty soon they'd overwhelm me. But then I called in. I spent something like three thousand dollars, something like that, five thousand, then to call in my gangster chums, and then it kicked off quite a large scale firefights is a, a little bit okay. systemic and mm. uh, it was just a cool thing that I that I triggered as a player and you get more of those tools the more you assign rackets to yeah it generally people. sounds like the, the sort of things you get from GTA's contacts when you yeah. phone them up yeah very much so mm. um, it's a it's a lot 
it's probably a bit easier to use because it's on the weapon slot wheel and you just yeah i mean yeah you just mouse or stick in the direction you want and then it will happen um yeah. so yeah I, I mean, if there's plenty of those and i can see them having enough meat into the game to sustain it over many hours and um, there's some other stuff i'd like to talk about but they were quite woolly about what a spoiler is you're not entirely sure what you're allowed to talk about no i'm still not sure so like That's... there's a bunch of stuff i played in the second half of the game which i really liked but i can't don't know what what i can and can't talk about from it so that's that unfortunately but like um so um i guess uh, well i assume or i guess i should say i know because i've read the feature that you've written about it for next issue yeah uh that the um rackets system is basically designed to give more purpose to the open world yeah yeah that's right um yeah but so essentially like almost all of the racket missions take place just organically within that open world mm. so it's not like a cutscene triggers and you start doing the stuff. It's just there's the they, they usually last for only a few minutes. You go in, do this thing. It could be interrogating a guy for information, uh, killing a particular target, investigating a location, uh, freeing some prisoners. Usually it involves like fighting and you know yeah. combat in some way. So it's more of an open world game than previous mafias, which were yeah, one hundred percent yeah yeah. And also the previous mafias, I think, were about twelve to twenty hours in total. Mm-hmm. This is. This feels more like it's going towards a forty or fifty hour thing to me. Not entirely sure about that, but it seems like there's there was a lot to do still, even when they cut deep, quite deep into the game. Um, Have they gone full Ubisoft? No, because the, the side quests aren't. You're not collecting bullshit, mm. um, and you have that money ticker, which is a quite a nice little mechanic playing off in the corner. And like uh, all the quests are, are just oh, they're, they're quite they're really good fun. Like yeah. there's um, I just remember raiding like a like a garden party, I think I can talk about this. Uh, <laughs> I'm raiding a garden party where there was just like some people just stood having drinks and stuff and I had to I had to set fire to something. And like, um, I, I, I did two of them. Um, and one, I just set fire to the thing stealthily and then left. Mm. And the other one, I went and just threw Molotov cocktails at all the people having a nice garden party and then had a massive shootout. Then the police arrived and, and I just went and hid and was jumping over like gardens and stuff like that. And it was, it was pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, I really, um, I, I, I liked it a lot. It was good. Um, the city is amazing as well. Oh, yeah, like I think that's the thing I'm most interested about. Is New Orleans seems like such a departure from the usual open world cities that we get. I'm really, really keen to see like what it looks like and yeah, how it feels. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's uh, definitely a sort of convincing uh, replica mm. of the of the real thing, uh, which isn't. It's not an enormous city anyway in real life, but like. Um, it's it's a very uh, gorgeous and varied uh, city. Has a lot of uh, culture. Obviously, has been around for a lot longer than pretty much most major American cities mm. um, due to its origins. But yeah, and it's a creation. You know, the birthplace of jazz, and there are alligators. Um, there's, nice. uh, there, there are boats in this one, so that's quite new actually. Like um, you can actually just take a boat out into the swamp, and like there, there are settlements out in the swamp, um, and then there's. Uh, is there going to be a mini game when you're walking around the swamp, or you get off a boat and an alligator grabs you, and you've got to tap a button prompt until? No, I don't think you, you can't. I'm <laughs> pretty sure you can't foot. just like punch an alligator to death uh, or anything like that. You just, but they they just they're just there in the um, out in the open world. So mm. if you get out, they'll start um, attacking you. And like uh, I think someone who was playing it tried to call in your mob buddies so that they would fight the alligator. And okay. like um, I think they experimented with that, and I think it does work in some capacity. So. Apparently there was a debate as to whether they would actually put alligators in the game, but I'm glad they did because it's nice and gamey and really daft. It's very gamey actually. Like right. um, there's stealth systems in this one, and so and it's the sort of stealth where 
you could be hiding in like one doorway and the enemies will forget that you're there and then we'll start a search thing and like um yeah so it's and they, they they're, they're very good at sussing out where you are mm-hmm. as well and like um near psychically i found on a couple of occasions but like um generally like i i i like it and there's also a batman style you can see through walls see the enemies through walls thing going on um so yeah that requires some suspension of disbelief but i think that's okay is i i really enjoyed it like and the, they've spent a lot of money on the music and some of the music choices are quite obvious like fortunate sons of course it is yeah yes um, i like that song so <laughs> sympathy for the devils in there as well which i nice. think is like if you go onto any youtube video of that now it's just some teenager going i play this in call of duty and like uh because it's in that level where you go i think you're in cambodia and just destroying loads of wooden houses and it plays because oh i mean who cares about taste uh, but like uh, uh, um no uh anyway yeah, yeah so the so there's over 100 licensed tracks so they've clearly spent some money on that yeah. and um yeah it's uh it's it's cool it's a cool a cool thing um and i i the story stuff is I don't think it's necessarily revolutionary in terms of the sort of tale they're telling. It's a mm. basic revenge story, I think. But the cutscenes look really nice, and there is there's definitely like a background of racial tension to the story. To the story, um, because as they say in like a title card, it's kind of an inevitable part of like the era they're portraying. Yeah. Um, how successful that is, I think we can only really judge at release. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I guess they've got a better chance with that setting and those characters than, like, say, Deus Ex did with robots and racism <laughs> against robots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, also, it feels like um, that it's not the focus of the story either. It's, it's kind yeah. of just a... You know, it's, an inevitable thing that was happening. Yeah, it's part of the context of the story. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I, I like it. I like it. I enjoyed Good. it. And I yeah, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily uh, had it on my radar like going to the rest of the year because I had no idea what it'd be like with the new team and stuff. And mm. it's a very weird series if you think that of the gaps between releases. Like yeah, uh, definitely three entries in fourteen years. Like that's you know compared to I think of Call of Duty or GTA. Yeah, know? even GTA, which can take a while. Yeah, it's... slow ass. But yeah. Um, yeah, and the, um, if you like the uh, driving from the Mafia games, I mean, uh, racing track stuff aside, <laughs> uh, it's got a simulation mode, which uh, which I really liked, actually. It made the chases a lot more tense and met, required a lot more skill to actually get around the city. If you turn that off, it just feels a bit more like GTA V. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, no, I like it. It's yeah, um, I, like, I, I saw it the reveal at uh, Gamescom the year, uh, last year, and it definitely looked interesting. Like Between the city and like what they're doing with dynamic events and just stuff happening in the world it felt like really atmospheric and cool mm, yeah you'll hear npcs having conversations that aren't necessarily linked to the main mm. stories so i just wondered i think it was like a back of a bar or something on my way to a mission i uh, just there were just npcs having a conversation and stuff like that nothing like that happened in mafia 2 it was very much just window dressing to a linear game which yeah. i think is fine a fine use of an open world as well but like um it's nice to see it's nice to play a period piece that has that level of detail um, so I, ho- I hope it's good. Hope yeah. it's good. Feels good so far. Cool. Uh, when do we find out? When when do we get to play it? Uh, I don't know. Um, okay. Shouldn't have asked. <laughs> I don't know yet. I think it's like it's out late October. All right. I think. Or, oh, so it's not far off. Or maybe it's early October. Actually, it's Should not. I, it's not I'm far off at all. Up. Yeah, go for it. I think it's like seventh or the fourteenth, something like that. But um, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm I'm October seventh. There you go. So Thanks, not too Google. far. Not too far now. Uh, but yeah, interesting, interesting, mm. interesting sequel that that has uh, some completely different ideas to what the other two games are about. Um, but but yeah, I look forward to to hearing more. 
Um, so, Phil. Hi. On a non-me related note. Cool. Um, you went to see Endless Space 2. Yes. You left at 6am in the morning. And you got back at 3am from going to Paris. Yeah. And we haven't really been the same since, have we? I, I certainly <laughs> haven't, no. Um, that um, was quite the day. This is why you're having a week off next week. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, so, so how was it? Like, are you a big, you a big fan of Endless Legend and that studio? Um, so I quite liked Endless Space. I didn't play much of it. I think it... I generally like the idea of 4Xs, but I'll, there's only a couple that I'll actually really get deep into. So uh, Gaussive 2 would have been the, the only space one that I've really spent much time with. Um, and as land one goes to go, Civ uh, 5 was the obvious one. But Endless Space was, it was like really solid, but not quite there. Like uh, There was a lot of things that seemed missing that just sort of, features that complete the experience it, it felt quite limited but it was really beautiful especially in terms of like ui design and stuff like that it was uh it looked amazing but it was a bit mm. uh endless legend obviously uh much more fond of I think that was a game we gave a game of the year award to yeah. uh sort of that came up quite close to uh, the game of the year period where Chris sort of just came in and said look have we considered this because it's great and everyone sort of went away and played it a bit and went yeah we should probably give this something it's doing some really really interesting things with factions uh, the the sort of asymmetrical factions and with quest design and trying to incorporate a story into into the forex thing like the kind of the kind of changes that the civilization series never makes and isn't going to make with civilization 6 because that just sort of feels like this slower more stately thing that happens that's at a cruel like you can't tweak civ too much because the the entire forex genre of fans will get angry and burn foraxis down um it's interesting though because um We've seen that Civ Six has borrowed some Endless Legend elements, right? Yeah, a couple of elements. Uh, specifically, the cities and the way that uh, they're split into districts, and the districts are all different, like tiles. Now, it's not all one tile per city. Um, that's all stuff that yeah, Civ Six is essentially borrowing, which is why it is good to have like studios like Amplitude that are prepared to go. Okay, well, this is how Forexes are done, but what happens if we don't do that and do something else? Uh, and then yeah, the, the bigger series can go. Yeah, nice idea. Let's mm. borrow that. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I suppose, like you know, there'd be no endless space without Civ, would there? So, like, it yeah, yeah, absolutely, place, yeah. yeah. Um, for endless space, too, like amplitude. I've said to me on a number of occasions, basically, endless space was us trying to figure out how to make four X game. We knew we liked the genre, but we didn't really know how to make one. We were trying to work it out as we went along. Mm. Um, I think they've got a good idea now, having released two of them. Uh, so they're going back to endless space two. Endless space two is essentially them doing that space-based 4x style but with all the knowledge of endless legend and what worked and what didn't work uh, and pushing a bunch of things forward you know they're taking what they did with endless legend and they're layering a few things on top and transitioning a few things to suit the fact that uh, so much of endless legend was about the terrain and actually having um space in your cities and the way combat works and they can't do that because they're in space right so what they call the soul of the game this time is populations and the way that when you capture a space or capture a planet or a system, it's no longer just numbers that change your resource production or whatever. Those factions or those populations are a people with a political preference and they'll express that and that will create this sort of texture of your empire with a Senate that has, you know, 
not warring factions, but sort of factions that disagree and have different beliefs. Some will be pacifists, some will be militarists, um, that sort of thing. And uh, as you go along, the Senate will shift in power and you'll have different people. And depending on your own relationship with that faction, that will depend on like what laws and things you can uh, implement. So there was one that... Um, I was playing as these traders who were generally pacifists, but and that meant their ship production could be got pretty cheap. But to do that, I had to be really in with them. Mm. Like they had to really like me before they would enact that law, as well as you know, I had to spend some influence, which is one of the resources as well. Um, so that's an interesting idea, and I don't know how that's going to play out on a full scale because I never really got to see the consequences of anything I did within the game. I just wasn't playing it long enough because I had to, leave france and come home <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh it's yeah it's uh which is a shame but like um yeah it's a shame you didn't get to have a bit more time with it but like uh, i guess it's out soonish isn't it yeah uh, it'll be out in early access soon like partly i didn't see the consequences of my actions because of the time factor partly because i'm not sure all the consequences are in the game yet certainly in the build will pl- i played that was like that wasn't the build that will be released in early access a few more things have been added in for that right and even beyond that, that I mean, the early access build, like, there's not going to be much in the way of diplomacy there. I think some of the quests, a lot of the quests, will be missing. And what? Why is it that they? Why are they not just releasing it instead of doing it? Because uh, Amplitude never does. Like all, all of their games have been early access in some form. Right. Um, because that gets them to where they want to be. Yeah, it's just it's just how they work. It's how they, you know, they want to. Everybody, everybody, when you say why you're releasing an early access, are like, oh, we want to, we want community feedback, and we really want to work with the community to do it. And yeah, and some of them mean it <laughs> some of them mean it uh amsterdam probably do just yeah, because so, they are yeah. so committed to it mm. like um they've, they've got like a whole program scheme or whatever and ways to they've got people who whose entire job is to sort of interact with the community and gather feedback and discuss it and that sort of thing so so yeah um like i'll be honest i'm, I'm i don't I'm not looking at the early access release as the release of the game. I'll do what I did with Endless Legend and probably wait until it's finished. Yeah. Because I don't know. I, I like playing those games when they're fully formed, and you know, you know, you're getting the full feature set. But when it's all ready, you know, there should be some good stuff. Like even the early access release will have some some decent things in it. Uh, once again, the factions are quite interesting. Uh, only, there'll be four in early access. Uh, there'll be eight in total when the game is properly released for 1.0. That's quite a lot of work um, then they've got left to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so of the factions, two are carrying over from Endless Space 1, uh, Sophons and the Cravers, which are your science and your military factions, uh, respectively. But the two that the two new ones do look quite interesting. Uh, so you've got the... Um, Lumeris, I think it is. They're your trading faction, and uh, they I don't think they're quite as um, trade-focused as the ones in Endless Legend, the dragon trader people, I think it was. Mm. But... Um, they so they've got they they don't take any any penalties when they're trading and that sort of thing and they're pacifists and uh, the the interesting thing about them beyond the fact that they get a bunch of bonuses is that they don't construct colony ships in the way that any other faction would uh, like normally if you want to take uh, a, a different system you've got to take that population from another planet build the colony ship and just transport them over to the planet you want to take. Uh, for the for the Lemaris, they just build an outpost. They spend money to build an outpost, and then that will be 
like over the course of the next few turns, that grows until it turns into a colony. Right. Uh, so it's a slightly different way of staking a claim on a place. Hmm. Um, again, not entirely sure how that will change things up, but it'll, it'll be interesting if there are more than one Lemaire's faction within a game because they can both build an outpost on the same planet. Right. And then it becomes a case of spending money and influence to sort of build propaganda so you're the first one to complete. So you take the system and it switches over to you. Christ, that's quite complicated. Yeah, 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 pretty. Um, I like. I mean, like to, to the point where I'm surprised you can still talk about it being as tired <laughs> as I know you are. <laughs> a lot of it is just uh, kind of memory at this point. And <laughs> you've had like your fourth coffee of the day yeah. as well. Yeah, I could crash at any moment, so I'm just <laughs> plowing through this in the hope that I get it all out there before. Well, I, I, I mean, like as uh, someone who hasn't really played the Endless Games that much, I did see it at Gamescom Endless Space Two, and like uh, I thought the space battle things were cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, the animations were nice. I'll, I'll transition that into a sec because actually the, the the other fa- the fourth faction are the ones I'm most interested in and wasn't allowed to play because they're not quite ready yet. They're right. not they're not entirely balanced. Uh, they're called the uh, Vajani and they're like uh. armored. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they're armored glowy space things okay. uh, that don't ever inhabit a planet. Instead, they're all on big arc ships. Uh, oh right, yeah, and you basically fly them to a planet and tell them to leech resources from it, but they don't ever go down there, really. Okay. Um, but there'll only ever be a few of them, apparently. They're not designed to be like the cravers who are like machine insects that reproduce and uh, sort of eat and consume everything. These guys are few in number and on a mission to annihilate all intelligent life to prevent the over-exploitation of all the planet's resources. Interesting. Which is, you know, uh, uh, I guess it's a goal. It's good, it's good to have aims, isn't yeah. it? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. ambition. It's good good to have a hobby. Uh, <laughs> but they can also one of the resources they will utilize is other factions' populations, mm. and they'll actually harvest them and kind of absorb their life juices to create new versions of themselves. And the new versions of themselves they create can inherit the traits from the populations they've absorbed. So that's kind of mad. That's quite. That must be quite a complex thing for them to to do. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. So, it's, and it's going to be really interesting to see how all those factions kind of balance out and interact with each other. Which is why it was a bit of a shame that the diplomacy wasn't really there. Right. But like you say, uh, you can still have big space battles, and they're kind of cool. Yeah, it's um, a thing where you, uh, you 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 watch it play out after doing your tactics. Before yeah, yeah, yeah. You start with the tactics screen, and I uh, I think the build I was playing like. I had three things I could pick, and I could also choose, or I could sort of pick things the enemy are known to pick, like a faction. If they've been seen doing certain tactics, they'll be added to your list, so you can sort of see how they play out against each other. Mm. But obviously, you don't know what the enemy will actually pick in the moment. Um, and then, yeah, you pick that, and then you just watch a big space fight between all your ships, and it yeah. looks kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, they've really uh, sort of... Got... Did Endless Legend do anything like that in terms of combat? Like, uh, uh... Yeah, yeah, I think... Uh, no, Endless Legend was... Uh, actually, think about it. It was the um, sort of a turn-based um, hex system where you actually had direct control of your units. All right, okay. It's like... Well, like Civ. Uh, yeah, a bit like Civ, although um, localized down. It was really weird. You'd, so, if two units met in in on the map, the sort of map kind of changed to create a battlefield within the map. Right. It was. It, it looked really cool, but it's yeah. quite hard to explain. No, I, I should go and really play it. Like it's been on the. Uh, mm. it's, on, it's on my ever shrinking list of big games to play. So this is obviously a lot lighter touch in the. Um, yeah, you just pick your tactics and set them off. Right. And, 
it's quite interesting that they got that fourth race, and then there's still going to be four more on top of that. Mm. So uh, your 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 tactical scope is playing is the Vajani. Fodjani. Oh, Fodjani. <laughs> That's why I laughed. Sorry. Uh, um, uh, it seems like yeah, it's going to be a lot to consider. Yeah. Um, very com- much more complicated than like the perks in Civ, for example. Yeah, and um, you can research new tactics anyway, for, like to to have on the menu. Um, there's also though the heroes that you can hire, and if you attach them to a, a unit like a fleet or something, they have their own uh, specific ship that will appear in the space battles. That you know you need to try and protect if possible because it's quite powerful, but they they can convey some very useful bonuses that make it worth keeping heroes alive and leveling them up because they all have their own level up trees as well. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Um, it'll be very interesting. But I mean, wh- whether you want to jump in now and be part of the the kind of early access feedback process is sort of. I imagine the people who are going to already know. Yeah, you know, know if yeah. that's your thing. Like, it's not my thing, really. Uh, no. I, who's got that kind of time? I'll just wait until it's a fully finished game and I'll jump on. Yeah, and like uh, I assume that we're looking at some point mid-next year for the finished thing then. Yeah, um, I think the early access release is at the end of September? Yeah, no, I think that's right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, who knows for the finished game, but some point next year, almost certainly. But yeah, it will be, it'll be 27 at some point, I'm sure. Okay, cool. All right. Um, so I forgot what we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about Hitman briefly. Yeah, so um, uh. we've been joking in the office about Hitman because it's been around for so long now and that, that Phil's had to review it four times and he's about to have to do it for a fifth time. Remember well. when we banned it from the podcast because oh, yeah, we had we to did. keep talking about it each week because they kept releasing like a new elusive target or something. Yeah, and... I'm surprised no one left us an iTunes review that just said, fuck this podcast. <laughs> like it's uh, They talk about Hitman every episode. In the same way Chris isn't allowed to talk about Dota on Crown Crowbar. <laughs> I was on a podcast five years ago where we talked about Homefront and Dragon Age 2 in three consecutive episodes and people complained so we never talked about them again till it came to the end of the year awards and then we gave gave a booby prize to uh, Homefront um, which felt appropriate but uh, anyway I'm I'm going you have? How did you have three weeks worth of material for Homefront? Well I think it's because I really didn't like it at all, and so I had lots of creative ways to make fun of it. And so That's I think I, you could you can do just one episode on the um, press X to jump in mass grave alone, and then that That's doesn't true. Yeah, That's... that doesn't even take you through the fact that they borrowed uh, almost wholesale ideas from Call of Duty and like uh, the, the fiction called the North Koreans Norks. I mean, when you factor all that in, like you've, you've got a lot of funny <laughs> material for multiple episodes. Anyway, it was um, too much for someone apparently. <laughs> But uh, you wrote a really good piece on PCGamer.com today, um, which I uh, read earlier, saying that if you like Hitman, uh, sorry, no, if, you, if you're interested in Hitman, just buy it now, because yeah. it's already good. Just do it. Yeah. It's interesting, because you scored each episode between about mid-70s to mid-80s. Yeah. Um, but like collectively, the, the finished score could I, end up being something quite different, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange thing, uh, reviewing levels individually. It's not something I've really had to do before, because uh, yeah, yeah. I tend to stay away from episodic uh, stuff. But. Uh, and some may, might say that we regret the way we've done this, <laughs> but we're too far in to turn back, <laughs> so I have to keep going. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so. it's, been, it's been interesting delving into each level, but I think when you review a specific episode, you're kind of reviewing what, it offers that's new, which is you know that environment and the ways that you kill a specific target. But the the thing that doesn't ever factor into the score at the moment is that much of Hitman is just about the base tool set that you've got that Forty Seven has access to the way the way he moves and interacts with things. That's the sort of stuff that will affect the score of the final game, right? Kind of thing. 
and yeah, that's it's just a sort of very solid, enjoyable thing. And I think um, obviously the levels are and layouts and the targets are really important, but um, in each case they've been at least good enough to I think justify a bit of trust in IO now. Like mm. it seems they know what they're doing. Um, you know, like they made a lot of good Hitman games in a row, and then they made Absolution, and that was a bit. And think, they made Kane and Lynch. And then they made two Kane and Lynch. So, no, no, that's so true. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, they, they they went through a dark period, <laughs> quite clearly. Um, but yeah, like all the level, I mean, the, the lowest score I've given Hitman has been seventy five, and that was for the intro pack, and that was mostly for a lot of problems with like the online connectivity at the start, mm. which was harsher even than it is now like they've dialed it back a little bit um specifically if you drop connection you're no longer forced out of the level without any way to sort of recover that yeah yeah which was mad and deserved kicking um but other than that the lowest episode score was i think the last one 79 which was mostly just to say hey guys just hire some new voice actors, please, for <laughs> the love of God. Well, because the next one's actually set in America, they can actually there's a logic to them using the same voice actors this time. Yeah, may, well, yeah, maybe, maybe those actors can put a bit of an accent on because I think <laughs> aren't they in some backwater farm or something? Full yeah, of, yeah, um, terrorists or something. So it was Bangkok, this one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Bangkok, and it was good, but it was another hotel, and we've sort of done mansions. So I was, I'm kind of like, yeah, I must admit the screenshots didn't really inspire me, although that market you were stood in looked quite nice. By that wall. <laughs> Sorry, I just that basing this on the screenshots. Is that but, not Marrakesh? Uh, oh, maybe I'm thinking market. Marrakesh. Um, yeah, it might not have been a market. It was where. Um, you, oh, yeah, oh what, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. by the bar in bar. That's it. Yeah. Attached to the hotel. Yeah, but it does look it does look quite similar to Marrakesh and um, and Sapienza. I think my problem my problem with Bangkok specifically, and again, is nothing to do with the actual targets and the way that you complete that level, which is all great. Like it's a, a really fun one to. To get your teeth into, but my problem with Bangkok specifically is that it just feels like you're in a hotel with a Bangkok skin. Like it looks like it's set in that bit of the world, but it doesn't really play like it. Whereas if you think about Blood Money, the the thing Blood Money did was it picked a specific kind of element of uh, American stereotype or American uh, media stereotypes. So like witness protection, you know, gangster and witness protections kind of thing, or uh, CD uh, New Orleans uh, streets during during a parade, mm, yeah, and stuff like that, and that kind of gave every level its own identity that was different to just what it looked like. Um, I think this Hitman might lose that a bit. I wonder if that will still be the case for um, Episode Five. Because obviously they're going back to America, which they have covered extensively in Blood Money, so it might let them kind of break out of what are becoming some set patterns in the series up to now. Yeah, okay. That's good, because I mean, to the people who are, who are waiting and will play all these levels back-to-back, then perhaps the, perhaps the kind of similarities might become quite obvious. Yeah, and this, uh, this is partly why I think people should just go for it now. Is because it's It's not just because everything's been good up to now, it's also because I think... Trying to play it sequentially back to back, like uh, like you would any traditional campaign, is probably a mistake. Mm. Like, it doesn't feel like that's how this is, game has been designed to be played. It feels like it really has, from its earliest conception, been designed as an episodic thing, um, which has been interesting. But it's also been great because it means like you do really get to sink your teeth into each level and spend time with it uh, beyond. 
what you could do if they just re- well beyond what anyone would really have time to do if they just release them as one big package. Yeah, right. Um, and they keep dropping in like fun little extras, like the the escalation stuff is has been great. Like uh, these are the ones where you've got to essentially you've got to replay a level five times, which can be a bit uh, a little bit tiring. But each time you do it, there is a new kind of complication or extra target or condition that means you've got to rethink the strategy. Right. So it's like this evolving kind of challenge where uh, okay, killing a guy might be fairly easy, but if you've got to kill him and then make sure the body's hidden or kill him and make sure you're wearing this disguise or you take this thing or do this route that kind of challenges you to go all right so i did it this way now what do i need to do to make sure that i fulfill the new conditions Mm. Uh, how is it how do i refine my plans to an extent and that's been that's been good um there was this bonus episode they released between episodes three and four. Oh, was that I the film think? set one. Yeah, the film set. It's like uh, Marrakesh and Sapienza, but set at night, and one of them's on a film set. And they're definitely throwaway, but they're actually also quite cool as little because um, a lot of the levels blocked off. It's it's a lot more focused and specific around certain areas, and it's kind of nice to see these levels that you've spent, if you're me, a long time on, um, remixed in. In quite interesting ways that make it see, feel kind of new and different. Mm. That was good. Okay, so ultimately, feels like a successful experiment. Yeah, so I think it's. Uh, yeah, I'm. I, I'm quite happy for Hitman to run and run, and the idea that they'll do a sort of second series, although they're thinking of doing a sort of second series of levels with with one important caveat. They make it a different game on Steam because the size of that Hitman file is ridiculous. Yeah, they now. should probably call it Hitman Season Two, even if it uses the same. Levels and assets and everything. Just, <laughs> just, yeah, split it up because Sam's very precious about hard drive size. Look, I am all right. Like, uh, I'm trying to get through Arkham Knight so I can get rid of that. But if you've got, if you've got, like, I've got two terabyte hard drive, right? And I've got GTA on there, and like, you know, that, that's eighty or eighty to a hundred gig now. Like, mm. uh, just think of the hard drive space, Io. Think of the hard drive space. Also, if they do that, we might, we might not review every episode. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be reviewing the Hitman issue for the next. God knows how many years. I'm sure it'll take them a while to make season two, just mm. to build all those environments from scratch. But they've probably already started on it, haven't they? Yeah. Um, assuming that it's been a success. Yeah, I've, yeah, got, no, I've got no idea if it's been a success with Square Enix or not. That, no yeah, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah. Because, like, I mean, I, you can get an idea from Steam Spy that it's done, I don't know, low hundreds of thousands on PC. But, like, um, I don't know about PS4 and Xbox One where these things yeah. are Yeah, and we also don't know how many people are waiting for the full experience. Yeah, yeah. Because even based on the article... Uh, I wrote today. A lot of people went and then commented saying, uh, "No, I think I will wait. Thank you very much." Exactly. Which is, fair, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, we're not telling you. <laughs> I'm so. not trying we're to just, force you to buy a game. We're just trying to make a helpful suggestion. Um, okay, cool. Those are those are the main games we we're going to talk about. Is there anything they else were. that we should ramble about? I've not really been playing any. I, I played some WWE 2K16, but it's not good. So don't don't do that. <laughs> what were you uh, What were you playing that for? Like, uh, you, oh, you've, you're, you're quite into your wrestling again at the moment, aren't you? Oh, I was. I've, I've dipped toe in. I, I don't want to talk about this. I don't. Is it because it's my so... secret shame. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, no other games journalist is uh, shamed about talking about WWE. Well, exactly. That's what they bang on about. That's that's why I feel I should be. <laughs> I, I will. I will have the shame of the whole industry on my shoulders I don't, I'm prepared to take that I don't get wrestling right and I'm I'm perfectly prepared to make fun of it but then I think oh so it's about 
pretend men in spandex hitting each other <laughs> and then i realized that's oh, what superhero no. movies are and that's and i really like those so i guess i can't critique with mm. really dumb storylines and posturing ultimately i started playing it because you can create some just marvelous freaks in the character creator it's yeah. got like you can go way beyond what any character creator should let you your eyes can be in completely different parts of your head and wow. oh, that's great it, you look like uh, uh, I, things got a bit out of control. I ended up putting a tattoo on his arm that's just said "Yummy Time," and I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I've been very tired the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because it's funny. It's good. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've been playing anything recently. I don't mm. know if I have because I went away for ages. Um, I've not actually had any weekend times. Mm. I've been playing Rocket League still, but again, like Hitman, um, we just can't talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, anymore. I've been playing a lot of Destiny, and I literally can't talk about that. Cause no, that's true. So far out of our wheelhouse. No, um, so we'll get I'm... the angry letters. Yeah. <laughs> um, I played Super Hot, but I might have talked about that on a previous podcast. But I did love that actually. And, it's good, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Coming to the end of the year, I think that, that might end up being my personal pick um, if we don't we don't give it an award um, because like. Like, uh, I don't know, I've actually reinstalled it because I just I just fancy... It's that, that kind of end-of-level replay of all of your actions. Mm. Just the, the feeling of throwing a sword in that game just is amazing. Yeah, it's great. Um, and I'm really in the mood now where if they release some paid DLC for it, I could really go for it. Um, and yeah, I don't know, apart from that, I do. I still have to play The Witcher 3. That's still on oh, my yeah, list. Yeah, we'll go back to that. It's just like, uh, it's uh, while you guys all play Destiny this year, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play The Witcher 3, finally, and get that done. Um, since it's our number one game and everything, I should probably exactly, know, yeah, I should probably yeah, know what should, it is. should definitely have some sort of opinion on it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's very long, though. <laughs> it is very long. <laughs> Be prepared for that. Yeah, yeah. And so apart from that, I'm trying, I also wanted to finish Inquisition first as well, but I don't think I'm going to get through that. Hey, maybe that's the thing we should talk about. What do you think of that Mass Effect footage that, um, that they released that PS4 thing a couple yeah, of days ago? Yeah, that Mass Effect footage that I didn't watch. Okay, I didn't see it. It's uh, it was weird. Like it was um, designed to show off uh, Sony's absolutely baffling console. Mm-hmm. That, um, it's more powerful than a PS4, but not the PS5. Um, thereby ro- uh, robbing consoles of the one good thing. That the, they do. the one, yeah, the, the, the <laughs> consistency that they are were built on. Yeah, so it's basically like a hundred pounds more or something, and it. It plays some. It apparently plays games at 4K for 300. Oh, in HDR, Sam. Remember how you know everybody is going on. Everybody is really <laughs> desperate for for HDR consoles. It's all those colours they weren't seeing before, and now they can see them. Like all the blues and all the yellows. You know, I, I just get so angry sometimes at the range of <laughs> blues that are available to me. <laughs> it's so limited. Um, yeah, I don't really understand that. Like, it's, it seems like they've that TV manufacturers, like you say, have to find a new way to make people interested in. Yeah, buying they do. A TV. Like, uh, the problem with TVs is their flat screen was the big thing that everyone had to go out and get a flat screen TV. Mm-hmm. But now we've all got those, so we don't need new TVs. No, like mine's five or six years old and it's fine. And I don't need a three D TV, and I don't need a curved screen, and I don't need a smart TV, and I don't need. <laughs> But maybe HDR, maybe that'll be the one that cracks it for him. Maybe that's really what will... Well, maybe. But like, I don't um, think so, though. No, I don't think so, either. Because I play, I play GTA Five on my on my TV, and, and someone could tell me that there are many colours missing from watching it, as I saw over the city as the, the sun sets with this glorious pink sky. But I don't really feel like I'm missing out on anything. I think I'm the wrong audience for this kind of technology because so one of the features we've got coming in next issue uh is about gta 5 
groups, um, the modders who've like made the good graphics for the GTA fives. Yeah. Uh, and I was reading that, and I was reading the story of one guy who was like he he was a Fallout modder, I think, uh, originally, and played some GTA as a break, and got so annoyed at like the color of the fog or the <coughs> the, the um, problems with the LOD detail that he basically spent hundreds of hours making a graphics mod for GTA 5 as well. Yeah. And I was like, now I look at GTA 5 and I think, oh, that's nice. That's a great looking game. Yeah. yeah. I think that was some of the edits I made were like just saying, oh no, but GTA 5 still looks amazing. <laughs> like, because it, it definitely does. Um, but yeah, like, uh, but the, the Mass Effect footage they showed off, um, he basically, you're this Ryder character, um, mm. which they've revealed that it's siblings, right? Yeah. Um, which we were wondering about. Um, so if you choose male or female Ryder, they're literally different characters. Um, and uh, yeah, you, uh, you're kind of exploring this kind of quite nice looking sci-fi cave. Does mm. like a scanning thing in real time and like a codex entry comes up. Then they walk up to this thing and they talk for a bit. And it looks really nice. Um but like uh, it feels very early on. Like N seven day is clearly the thing they're building up to. Right. Um, so you'll see in the recent issue of the magazine, the one that's on sale now with Quake Champions in it, which we obviously wrote before this this was released. Yep. We um, we uh, basically talk about everything that we know to date about Mass Effect, and most of it still holds true. Actually, the Rider thing we didn't know about, but like mm. they haven't done a big reveal, and they won't until November. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, but whatever that, I'm sure it'll be a big a big deal at the time. I wonder if there'll be like a live stream or something. But um, almost certainly will. Yeah, it'd be nice to see some some meaty footage of that. Given that it's meant to be out, you know, next year. Yeah, wanna wanna finally see what that's all about. Mm, yeah, it's been a long time coming. Um, okay, cool. So uh, we have a question this week, and I'm well aware that for the last few podcasts, I haven't actually said what the podcast. Uh, email addresses if you want to ask us any questions please go ahead uh, we still get your responses anyway because we always put it in the episode description um, but it's pcgamer@futurenet.com. Phil will get those I will. Um, and he'll cite a few of them but then mm. um, some of them will make it into this a lot podcast. of them get started and then I forget about them for the next podcast <laughs> Um, shall I go? I'll read out this first one, Phil, and then do you sure. want to go through? I can probably find dig out a couple more. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so this is from Ash Glover in South Africa, and this isn't a direct quote, but like this is just uh, the gist of what Ash asked. Um, why uh, hasn't Watch Dogs uh, had that much attention? Watch Dogs Two, rather. Um, I think he means Watch Dogs One. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Should I read the full email? Because yeah, sorry, okay. I summarised it to you, and I think. Well, I've played the second one, and I could I can deliver some. You, if you want to talk about that instead, that's yeah. I mean, I played that at Gamescom. I don't think I ever talked about my Gamescom stuff actually, really. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I uh, played um, Watch Dogs Two there, and it was this thing called Bounty Hunt mode, where you can turn on all of these multiplayer modes that happen dynamically within the open world. One of them is called Bounty Hunt, and basically. Um, when you cause a certain amount of mischief and police come after you, players can come after you too. Hmm. And like whoever, uh, if the if like it was like one v three in this instance, and if they hunt you down and kill you, they win followers, which is the game's currency. And if you escape, you gain followers. Um, but the idea is, it's like a kind of like a very quick, fun chase where some people will just randomly appear in your game. Um, in, in instanced in, um, you know, invisibly, and then uh, a thing will just happen, and then like you know they'll hunt you down, kill you, and then that's that's it. And you can use the hacks on all the vehicles as you go, so you can make the target swerve off course. And that makes it harder for them to drive. And in return, if you're in front, you can activate these quake things that just go off and basically push back the cars a little bit. And it's quite a, quite a oh. nice little fun chase. But the gun the gunplay is not quite there in Watch Dogs Two yet. Yeah, just across the board, you seem to have a. 
you seem to be worried about that a bit. Yeah, I just I just want to make sure that the, the I didn't feel like the guns were connecting with the people I was shooting with, and they. Uh, if GTA Five is the high standard of an open world game, must do all of this. Mm. That felt like it wasn't up to scratch yet. But then it is. It was August, and the game's not out till October, I think, or November. So um, there's a fair old time to go. But I hope they get those guns right because um, the city is very very nice. Do you want to read out the question? I will actually read out. Yeah, so this is from Ash Glover who says, Fellas, been listening for a few months now, all the way from South Africa, and loving your guys' sense of humour and depth of knowledge on games and gaming. Should really apologise for this episode, then. <laughs> me, what, me having not played The Witcher 3. Me having not played <laughs> Endless Legend. And what, what about... Um, what about yes, you know, you, your knowledge is pretty sound, Phil. I'm just too tired to say <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, Ash then goes on to say uh, a lot of nice things about our Top 100 discussion episode, Thank uh, you. which I'm too self-conscious to read aloud. We had a nice, uh, we had quite a nice response to yeah, that episode, yeah. and, uh, and the list in general has been alright, even though we gave, we put Dragon Age 2 at 94, because uh, it's hilarious. Anyway, that was funny. Um, and then Ash goes on to say, one question I have, and a comment, is about Watch Dogs. Having recently got back into gaming, I found I really loved Watch Dogs, but it doesn't seem to have gotten much attention or kudos from you guys. Why? Question mark. Uh, and then uh, with a with a slight anecdote. Also, someone asked a few weeks back uh, about games that you can have a real impact on the world. In a way, the reputation system in Watch Dogs is a bit like that. If you're enough of a bad guy, people begin to recognise you and report you to the cops the minute you appear in public. Uh, on the flip side, if you improve your reputation to the maximum, people recognise you and are nice to you wherever you go. Well, I, I, you know, I, I've never heard so much passion for the original Watch Dogs, but like mm. we we did score it quite highly. I think it got eighty seven, yeah. which is you know a, a high score for sure. And like, um, yeah, it, and it sold really well. I think I think that people there was a it was a bit disappointing that like it was meant to be the big next gen game. Yeah, I think the like the the difference between the game everybody it's the it's the stamp thing, isn't it? The difference between what everybody thought the game would be based on its E three reveal and what the game actually was. Um, I think at a time when, because of the continual uh, non-stop release of Assassin's Creed games, <laughs> having a game that was set in the future but was basically the same template kind of bummed everyone out a bit. Or the towers and such. Yeah, you know, you know the standard, the standard Ubisoft tropes. I should say that I've not actually played Watch Dogs in that much de- in that much detail, but like, um, I actually quite enjoyed what I did play. Like, it, was it, seemed, right. it seemed like competently made in terms of like the shooting work fine and <laughs> it was you know Ubisoft always games are always have quite nice locations as well Chicago is a bit flat I guess but I, mean, I think my big problem with it was like oh it wasn't even a problem it was just oh, and this happens in a lot of open world games I played it for like probably five to ten hours and just thought yep yep I've seen what I need to see of that and there's nothing really compelling me to carry on yeah uh, I certainly wasn't invested enough in the story to finish it because God damn that! I don't do not like their main character for that game, Aiden Pierce. Aiden yeah. Pierce, oh, what an idiot! Yeah, it was the game for a while. Like, and uh, yeah, and I, I don't. I never really thought that was that big a deal between what that E3 trailer was and what it ended up being. Like, I thought people got really overexcited about it anyway. It's the guy in a trench coat hacking stuff. Like, cal- yeah. calm down, come on. Um, but yeah, like uh, I, I'm, I'm pleased that that you enjoy it, and that that reactive world thing sounds quite interesting. I can't think of many games that do that, um, unless you count. Uh, no, no, I wouldn't bring that up. Uh, okay, <laughs> there's not, there's not, it's true. There's not, there's not a lot of that. No, no, uh, I think that was a specific point of the question a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure you were there for that. Episode. Yeah, I think I was. Oh, okay, yeah, or I listened to it. One of the yeah, two. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, about how how bad Skyrim is at recognizing your achievements. Yeah, uh, which is true. Yeah, I suppose we'll end up talking about Skyrim again in a couple of weeks when that uh, the new edition comes out. I assume some of us might be playing. I might, I might just stick it on. I don't know. Mm. 
But um, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, Any, anything else? I've got something from uh, Darren Isle who says, "Hi guys. Firstly, I would like to thank you for the glorious podcast you put together. I thought you were too self-conscious to read that. Yeah, I've got over that for that. <laughs> Uh, someone has just built his own rig and got back into PC gaming after around 15 years of being lost in the console world the podcast has been such a helping hand to play uh, catch up on everything going on in the world of PCs that's nice that's good to know. that's good yeah yeah. Uh, I've also started listening to the Crate and Crowbar podcast boo <laughs> <laughs> due to learning of it through you guys but my question is are there any other gaming or non-gaming podcasts you would recommend oh god I, I, I try not to listen to any games journalist yeah, podcast I, I can't can't do it. Uh, <laughs> but, but I thought I'd use that as an opportunity to, uh, as I suggested to you recently, Sam, mm. uh, praise the Tone Control podcast uh, yeah. by Steve Gaynor, who is, works for, or is the head of Fulbright, uh, yeah. and made Gone Home and is currently working on Tacoma. Um, he has done a podcast where he just sort of talks to a lot of, you know, veteran developers about working on their big games and the actual development process, and that's the sort of stuff I really enjoy. Yeah, yeah, um, that was that was a great recommendation. There's, uh, I've I've listened to three of them so far. Um, the best one I think was Jake Solomon, yeah. um, who worked on XCOM, has a really fascinating history of just like went from a really boring ass job to just working with Sid Meier, but being so young that he was like massively ambitious. Mm. He talks about like how he um, the failed first version of XCOM Enemy Unknown, and like uh, it was honestly like that's so so good. And the Ken Levine episode is really good as well. Um, but yeah, that's what, that was a very good recommendation. Uh, on the same note, actually, like uh, this is an old podcast now, but I very uh, I got onto this because I mentioned I want a more developer focused podcast because uh, you know I work with games journalists all day, and I don't need it when I go home. Exactly. <laughs> I um, it's uh, when Irrational were around, they uh, had Irrational interviews and the Irrational Irrational Behavior podcast, um, and they were they're both really good. They talk about the culture of the studio. Mm. This is about in 2010, 11, and like. Um, yeah, that's that's really good. Uh, interviews with the likes of Todd Howard talking to Ken Levine, like things that you would love to do in, as a member of the press, but you're unlikely to ever get the uh, mm. the approval of um, from publishers uh, or, or be able to get them in the same place, you know. Um, so yeah, that sort of stuff really interests me. Um, there's a couple of other ones I like. I like uh, I, I like Final Games podcast, which I've been on, which is like oh, Desert yeah. Island thing. Uh, I don't listen to all of them. I listen to them depending on how I feel about the guest. <laughs> But like um, in most cases, I be uh, very careful about how you proceed. <laughs> with this. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, uh, no, I like it. that's a very good podcast. A very nice format with official mix of devs. Xbox editor Matt Castle was on a recent one, wasn't he? Yeah, was... he's really that was really good. Um, I've been on that one. Andy's been on that one. Yep. Um, the host Liam is a very nice chap who knows his stuff. Um, and yeah, there's uh, been some good developers on there as well, like uh, William Pugh, for example, and uh, yeah, a whole host of people. Mm. But um, yeah, that's that's really good, and that's. That's about well, it, really. For gaming podcasts, yeah, that is... I'll give a very polite plug to our colleagues' podcasts as well, like um, Games Master have one, so do uh, OPM. Um, so they uh, maybe check those out. I can't listen to them because I work with them. Yeah, so, there's yeah. going to be... Does, does Ben do the Games Master one? Yeah, Ben, that's pretty good. That's probably interesting. You yeah. should listen to that. I'll give that a try because Ben is a unique chap. <laughs> I'm glad you like it though. Like uh, whoever said that uh, question, because um, it's uh, it's you know the, the hope is that if you're new to PC gaming, you can always get something out of whatever we do, whether it's the website or the magazine or the podcast. So mm. That's good. Was there any 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 others? Uh, so there's one that I um, we could probably be done with this quite quickly because it, uh, it's by Steve Acone. Um, 
He says, hey, PCG, and then he writes a lot of things that I can't actually say for what I will call diplomatic reasons. Okay. Uh, And then he ends with, uh, is there any chance of the UK crew doing a video podcast on Twitch slash YouTube like the US guys? Uh, Well, I'd like to, but we um, probably not. Uh, Not for the time being. We We just don't. We just have slightly different focus in terms of like what yeah. we do. Like um, it's a it's a it's a weird thing. Like there's there's just more like I think like it comes down to like more cameras and recording space in the in the US office and yeah. They I think they've got a much more professional setup in that we're in an air conditioned room that has literally no dampening, no noise dampening or anything like that. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I, it has got air conditioning though, and uh, I don't mind that. Also, I don't like being on camera. Uh, yeah, that's I think that's the big thing for me. Yeah. I was. I went home a few weeks ago, and uh, my sister was telling me about how her and her boyfriend tracked me down on YouTube, and sort of a video that I'd done that had hundreds of thousands of hits. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? It turned out the PCG Weekender Mountain Blade presentation was, <laughs> was on YouTube. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I forgot that was there. The I forgot that was famous. internet famous. Yeah, I've got a weird face and don't like being on video. It's, and um, it's, it's distressing, isn't it? It is. But the um, US guys are very good at it. Like mm. uh, Tom and James, who just did a bunch of PAX videos the last weekend. Yes, they're young and photogenic. and <laughs> Yeah, it's annoying, really. James is a very handsome man. So Tom just, you know, always very well dressed. Like, it's uh, they've really got, got us beaten there, I think. But, um, no, I'd like to do more of that stuff. We, we have done some streaming stuff before. But it's really hard to find the time. Hence why this podcast is late again. But um, hopefully it won't be in future. But uh, yeah, yeah. hope that answers your question. Any others? Uh, not really, I think. Uh, I've, I'm having to be very careful not to read out a thing that I've starred because of important work reasons rather than because somebody... <laughs> <laughs> okay, in which case, we could wrap it up then. Should we wrap it up? Uh, yeah, let's just wrap it up. All right, cool. I hope you, hopefully you've enjoyed listening to this slightly scatty episode. Um, but uh, yeah, things will uh, get back on track. I'm sure one day. Maybe. I think so. We talked about a bunch of new games, so you yeah. know stuff that isn't out yet. Um, you know, using our access and so on. And uh, yeah, next week we'll talk about other stuff. I'm sending Andy to see a game on Tuesday. I don't know when we can talk about, but that might be a, that might be a good hmm. subject for one. And uh, as for me, I'll, I'll, I'll play something so I can talk about yeah. that. I'm trying to get a code for Red Out at the moment, which is like the VR racing game. Kotaku said a nice thing about it. So That's the wipeout-looking thing, yeah. Yeah, so I'm throwing that at a freelancer to review, but I'll try and play it myself as well. Mm. And, um, yeah, that might be good. But um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, don't, I guess? No, you'll feel you're Octader, aren't you? On yeah, O-C-T-A-E-D-E-R. Yeah, I don't recommend you follow me on Twitter, so I just won't read mine out. But, um, yeah... <laughs> You can also follow at PC Gamer, which yeah. is PC Gamer's Twitter. That's true. Check yeah. us out on PCGamer.com. Our current issue is Quake Champions. That's out now in the UK and the US. Nice. Although when I was in New Orleans, I saw um, the Deus Ex issue. So I'm not sure if they swapped it on newsstands yet, but uh, subscribers will have it now for sure. Uh, Quake Champions, Mass Effect, all kinds of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back next week with another episode of this podcast. Thank you for listening. 